For my ally is the Force, and a powerful ally it is. Life creates it, makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings shall we, not this crude matter. You must feel the Force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I've paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence, but committed no crime. And bad theories, I've had a few. I've had Boba Fett kicked into my face, and I've come through. Welcome. To episode oh, sorry, 279 <laughs> of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. Hey, Will's here. And we've got another special guest this week. A special guest who sent me on a roller coaster of emotions this t- today, <laughs> December 4th in the year of our Lord 2020. He's, he's, he's from my absolute favorite video game podcast, the, t- uh, the Hardcore Gaming 101 top games podcast you can also hear him on the blue harvest patreon you can hear him on steel wars and with the robbo report it's our buddy robbo hey will hey uh Hawes. i'm very glad to be back hey hey i was ready to do the whole queen thing like it, as long as you wanted to write it, the whole just thing so you know. yeah <laughs> i was waiting for my intro um so before we jump into this week's episode which it's going to be something. Uh, let me tell you guys a good uh, a story. This is I like to call this story Good Guy Robbo. So, <laughs> you know, uh, leading up to the second season of The Mandalorian, I started contacting guests. I wanted to get it nice and scheduled out uh, sort of ahead of time so I knew who was coming and give them plenty of time. And, you know, the week of, I always hit them back up and be like, hey, you know, this is your week. Are you still cool to come on? And then I wake up this morning, you know, a little later than usual, because I was up until, oh, I don't know, daybreak, brimming with excitement after this episode of The Mandalorian. And I have a message on my Twitter that says, you don't want me to come on this episode, buddy. And I was like, no, absolutely I do. And Robbo, being the good guy he is, was like, no, man, I don't want to come on and ruin your excitement. I know you're going to be excited about this episode. I was like, look, man, if you're not comfortable, 
then I totally understand. And he was like, you know what? I'm not comfortable. I just feel like, you know, I shouldn't come on. And then I'm sitting here pre-recording some uh, answers to emails because I wanted to, we got so many from you guys that I wanted to <laughs> knock some out ahead of time so we didn't keep Will and uh, everybody too late. And I get a message that goes from Robbo that says, I rewatched it again and I liked it a lot better than the first time. So I, I think I'll come on if you still want to have me on. I was like, hell yeah, buddy. I wouldn't have asked you if I didn't want you to come on. So for anybody that's all, uh, you know, that's ever like, oh man, all Robbo does is shit on stuff. No, man, good guy Robbo. That's that's the moral of this story. He wants people uh, to have fun. Yeah, if nobody wants, like, I don't know, like I, this this episode in particular, like if it were just like another episode that everybody liked and I was not so keen on, I wouldn't have a like. I don't look. I'll I'll shit on that all day long. <laughs> uh, but uh, but because it was this one, I mean, this is the pause episode this is like in a way in a way your entire life as a fan has been like leading up to this moment and it's just like i couldn't do it like i couldn't because my honest opinion like here's here's my problem pause and will is uh i don't like to be spoiled but i also don't want to stay up super late at night to, right i stay up too late as it is and staying up until three my time in the morning is just like even i can't do that that's rough and, yeah, I, I, it's hard. I've got to work. I mean, you know, I'm working from home these days, but, you know, still, like, <laughs> you got to wake up sometime. And, yeah, so what I usually do is I I, uh, I wake up, and while I'm eating breakfast, I watch the new episode on my phone because I don't want to be spoiled, but I also really like to see what people are saying out there on the on the social media. And I think it's a really bad idea because almost every episode this season – the first time I watch it, I'm kind of like ranging from not so into it to like, in this case, I thought this was just like, I can say it now because I don't actually think this anymore. I thought this was dog shit the first time oh, I watched it. Oh, no. And it's not It's not like because like Boba Fett was back or anything. It's just like for some reason, watching it on the little tiny screen, it just really seemed like not, it's just everything seemed, it's, you know what I mean? It's like when you have... Uh, I don't know. Every, every, everything just seemed really like rushed and weird and, and, and bad. And like it, all the effects look terrible to me for some reason, like when slave one landed. Right. And I mean, we're talking about, you know, this is we probably say what, epi what happens to this episode. Right. Or people know, right. That we're yeah. going to spoil. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good. You shouldn't have heard it from Robbo. You know what I mean? Like you should have experienced. <laughs> it. Um, like when that hat was like, Oh man, that looks bad. Like, Oh no. And then it just kind of like, but it's, it was just cause I was watching on a tiny screen. Like, don't do that. I should, that should never be, I should have fine. It's the same with the last episode where I was like, I don't know about this one. And then I watched it again and I was like, Oh, this is actually pretty good. Yeah. It, you know, it, there is such thing as not being in the right mindset to watch something. You know, there's been plenty of movies or TV shows that I've watched for my first time in a bad mood and not liked and, and not even at the time realized like, you know, I would normally probably like this if I was in a better mood or in a better mindset or a better setting, you know? So, uh, you know, it, I do think that has a lot to do with it. And look, uh, watching a, a show 
or a movie on your phone, I'm just never going to think that's a, the ideal way to consume I content. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> like I, don't know, <laughs> I, I keep doing it, but it's like I can't watch it on TV because I don't want to like my son's doing distance learning. I mean, if right. you want to call it learning, I'm really honestly not sure what's going on there. It, but this year is a total wash. Yeah, it's like. You know, he's doing that, and I can't, like, just have it on the TV because he's, he's definitely not going to learn anything then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and also, I don't want him to know that I watch it without him at first because I promise him I won't, and I'm totally lying. <laughs> and uh, But I can't be spoiled. I don't want to be spoiled. Like, that's the, that's the sad thing about this is that I have such visceral, like, weird ang- – like, not angry, but, like – like depressed kind of reactions when I don't like an episode of the show or when I feel like I don't like it at first that it kind of like, I have to kind of go through that, you know, like, but at the same time, I love it so much that I cannot be spoiled. I cannot miss it. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird. And I I gotta be honest, man, of all the episodes this season that people have not been able to keep their cool about as far as not spoiling stuff, this is high up there. Like, so, you know, it, it was a fairly short episode, right? 32 yeah. minutes. And so I watched it. I recorded my quick reaction for the Blue Harvest Patreon. Um, and then I answered a lot of texts and DMs that were rolling in. And I went and got in bed, and there's no way I'm going to sleep. I'm <laughs> electrified. I feel like they just announced the cure to spina bifida. Like, <clears throat> so excited. And I'm just laying on my phone, and there's gifts already. And at one point, Jesse got up in the middle of the night, and when she came back into the room, I was like, hey, stay off of Twitter until you see the Mandalorian. <laughs> like, whatever you do, stay off of Twitter, because it's going to be ruined immediately. And then we watched the episode tonight, and as soon as we did, she hopped on Twitter, and she's like, wow, you're right. There's, there's stuff everywhere. So... <laughs> That's sad. Like people should be, I get that people are really excited and they love it. And they want to share their love, but some, you know, at least the end of the day, I don't know. Did you get spoiled on any of this? Will I, uh, I, the one thing I saw in my star Wars news feed was that, you know, prepare for spoiler, prepare for, to know that spoiler is alive. Like it's, it's the word spoiler in place of whoever the character was. Uh. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing that was intended for Fennec Shan. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, so I didn't read the article. You know, I mean, I I was expecting someone that maybe had died previously. I didn't know if that meant Boba Fett or Fennec Well, Shan. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I'm pretty sure she was dead. <laughs> like, um, I, I do not understand so what how she, that works. Does she have like yeah. a droid stomach now? She's a, a droid... robo-tum-tum. Robo-abs. She's got a little robot tum Yeah. Like, hey, this is <laughs> and we know it's been a running theme of me wondering about how Darth Maul goes number two, how he takes a boom boom after yeah. he gets uh, cut in half. Uh, this this question is going to continue because I'm pretty sure the same issues stand with all his all his yeah. waste is packed into little cubes like Wally and he <laughs> just like literally shits bricks. You know. <laughs> I figured he was like on an all liquid diet. I, that you know, that's probably got to be the most like he just gets like uh, some sort of nutrient liquid, right? That yeah, sustains. This is one him. of the things that once they've made that decision, I do not want to know. Like, there's no good answer. 
like you've done it you did it it's been done like well, just don't draw attention look to it. i know you know we're still a couple ways away from celebration in 2022 but if they're looking for a panel the blue harvest pre- prevent uh, presents darth maul how do we poop i'm so- I, i'm available guys just letting yeah. everybody at Reed Pop know. I think it's like I think it's like a, like a bird poo. Like it, it's uh it's like both kinds in one. Ah, it just kind of comes out the chute, you know. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Will, buddy, um, what'd you think of this episode? I was really impressed. Uh, just c- cinematically, I thought it was directed very well. I thought it was paced well, shot well. I mean, I just liked. I thought the dialogue was good. You know. I was super pleased with everything, include, you know, on top of all the obvious story reveals. Uh, I'm super sad that the bad guy has the child, but the name of the episode is Tragedy. Like, it wasn't that much of a surprise. Yeah, when the... and there's got to be some big conflict to resolve for season two. Yeah, they're, they're two, probably, so. the tragedy probably is you find out, like, Mando's aunt died in her <laughs> sleep. It's like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> well, when the, when the title card, trage- the tragedy came up, like, immediate sinking feeling in my stomach and i was like oh no you know what's going on right yeah when it came up i was like oh this is gonna be bad (laughs) Um, it kind of had to happen right right, yeah yeah. we we've kind of discussed you know throughout this 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 season that moff gideon has to get a win for him to remain a threat he has to get his hands on grogu slash baby yoda slash yoju slash the child at some point Otherwise, he becomes like, you know, a Scooby-Doo villain, you know, like. Yeah. So. Or re- I'm really he would just be like the, the Bond villain that never does anything. It's mm-hmm. like you always see him at the end. Oh, he's plotting something, but he never It's like, are you supposed to like his plan's not that impressive. Like, you know, he's just going to kidnap the kid. That's <laughs> super militaristic. He plants yeah. a bug on the ship, shows up, sends his, you know, his Iron Man to go get the fucking kid and then he blows his ship up now i will say something that that robbo brought up a a couple minutes ago is something i do agree with about this episode is that some of the cg in this episode is not the strongest in mandalorian history right um yeah now i do kind of wonder because we know they they barely finished filming season two before all the lockdown stuff so I do wonder if some of that is a result of, you know, post-production stuff in the the COVID era of 2020. Yeah, I mean, we can only speculate, but yeah, I feel like some of this. Sometimes when the CG of the ships doesn't look right, I think it's not actually CG, and it just looks weird because they really do use models. So they might have actually built a new Slave One model. But when I watched it on like on uh like my you know big boy tv which has like all the fancy stuff with the hdr and all that mm-hmm. you know when you turn off the lights when i looked at it it's like the first time i saw slave one i'm like land i was like ooh, that's no good then i watched it on that on the on my proper tv and i was like actually that looks pretty okay like it's a weird awkward looking ship and you don't really kind of ever get to see it land i don't think i mean maybe you do in attack of the clones i just don't remember but it's it's a weird ship to land because like you you see it move in ways where you're like are they just getting tossed around in there? Yeah, I mean you know there's a you know they have got like a, some kind of weird like gyroscope thing in there I right. think is the answer but I, I didn't think it looked that bad and especially I loved the shot of the uh, of 
all the shots of Slave One like flying off, and you like see it from behind. It's like, oh, actually, that looks really good. Yeah, yeah. That, that stuff I thought was strong. I mean, uh, to me, the weakest uh, visual moment of the episode was the Dark Troopers falling from the sky. I, I got it. I mean, maybe we should just get the stuff we we didn't like so much out of the way. Yeah, that's like, fine. All I all I all I want like it, look. I mean, I'll say this like. Never been a huge Boba Fett fan, but I actually liked uh, Boba Fett a lot more. Like this, did, I wouldn't say this made me a fan, and like I want to follow his adventures forever. But I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> like, I I liked that he the way he did stuff. So we'll talk about that. But like, I thought it was pretty good actually. But yeah, the Dark Troopers, man. What I kept hearing, like when I was watching them, especially when they when they're like flying out, then you see a shot of them, and it, the first thing I'm thinking is like dude, you had your stormtroopers right there. Like, why why do you need to send in the robo-troopers? Like, just to pick up a kid? Like, what? what is... <laughs> yeah, I was... I'll be honest. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see them in action. That they just kind of dropped down, picked up Grogu, and then took off. You know, I and thought then, like, we'd see him fight yeah. a, at least one of them, you know? Yeah. Like, to justify their existence in the show. Like, I get that you you want to introduce them to, like, tease that they're out there, but you don't see them do anything cool. In fact, like when they land and they like switch their, you know, like feet thrusters, they look like, like power Rangers robots landing. Like I kept hearing like the dance, the dance, the dance, the dance, when they're like slowing down. And it just looks, it reminds me so much of like when the robots land in power Rangers, like which were actual, you know, like models, you know, they weren't, yeah, you know, or people you know. in suits sometimes even. And like, yeah, I just don't, I don't get the, I mean, there must be something else to them, right? Like, oh, yeah. We're going to see them fight. You know, when when they storm, and I assume this is what's going to happen, is they're going to storm Moff Gideon's ship, uh, probably in the finale. That's when we'll see the Dark Troopers really in action. Um, I did have a funny thought. Like, <clears throat> the CG of them falling out of the sky, like, looked very video gamey to me. It looked like a video game cutscene. And, like... You know, the Dark Troopers' original introduction was in a video game. Right. And I know it's not likely that that was their line of thinking, but, like, uh, there was a brief moment in my head where I was like, was that intentional? Did they make it look like a video game cutscene? Because that's what they're from originally. And then on top of it, they kind of look like the Purge Troopers, I think they're called, from... Mm -hmm. All in order. Yep. Which is not, like, a design I like at all. They look like weird little Michelin men, but... You know, like, I, I don't, it's, they're weird. <laughs> I don't get him. I don't get it. Like, I, I generally am kind of anti, like, let's do new stormtroopers all the time. And uh, just because I feel like this, I mean, they're not going to get better. Like, <laughs> it just, it's too late. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I feel a little weird sometimes in sort of the Disney era when we get all these original tr trilogy era troopers that we've never seen before you know sh sh even though some of the designs are real kick-ass but like you know death troopers shore troopers tank troopers and you know the whole time i'm like well where were these guys in the original trilogy if they had all these different trooper types yeah but i, mean, I guess well uh, go ahead i was just gonna say but the time to introduce a new style of trooper to me is post return of the jedi that's totally fine if you've got a new trooper to and not that I'm huge on the dark trooper design yet. I need to see them in action before I make my final. 
decision. I did on notice it. they have a K2SO style elbow joints and possibly mm-hmm. knee joints, which was interesting. Oh, um, which which means that those figures going to break when they come out. Like, <laughs> yeah, I've got I got the uh, the vintage collection K2SO because my son loves that character. Um, but he mostly loves it because you you can make like the the non super articulated one looks like he's break dancing all the time because his legs just like splay out like that. <laughs> he's always making him do like break dance kicks against the, the you know the bad guys. But when I got the the super articulated one, man, if I'm afraid to bend those joints, like they do not feel like they're gonna stay. <laughs> it's it's interesting how uh, fragile some of those Star Wars toys can feel when you take them out of package, right? Like yeah. Usually, um, kind of, they're kind of. I feel bad about bending all of them the first time because you have to really be careful. Mm-hmm. But that one, I don't think it's ever going to be. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it might as well be like this: the regular five POA. Will, what did you think? I mean, did you get the same vibe from the the Robo Troopers? I mean, I really didn't have a problem with it. Like, I thought they were awesome. You know, I can't wait to see them in action. And I get why they nabbed the kid and made off like. Why fight the Mandalorian if you don't have to? They clearly rebuffed both your ships as stormtroopers and killed them. You know, like yeah, yeah that was well, this trooper just started running all of a sudden because like, oh no, there's two Boba Fetts. I was like, well, yeah. what's the difference? Hey man, if if I saw Boba Fett fall out of the sky and start doing that stuff, Boba Fett whipped ass like a Boba many... Fett pulled back his big brass balls under his cloak and just whipped <laughs> ass. <laughs> I like that Boba Fett was a little beefy. You know what I'm saying? He's been eating yeah. good in the neighborhood on Tatooine I mean, for the last few years. If you're going to be buff and old, like you got to be. I I got to admit, like this this was one of the things that that uh, that really bothered me at first, and I'm not sure it's gone away. Like I kind of like that he doesn't, you know, get out of the robe or anything. You know, like he's got to put on the the uniform, so he's. Like they didn't like pretend like he's got time to do that. Right? right. So he just puts it on over the, I get that, but he's already way too big for the costume. And I don't mean this is like Tamara Morrison's fat, like Tamara Morrison could just break me. Right. Like, I'm, I, like, I'm, I would never say that, but like Django Fett, like wouldn't fit in the Boba Fett costume, even though they're supposed to be the same thing that you just wouldn't like you look at Boba Fett. He, he's a string bean. You know what I mean? Like he's really freakishly skinny. And just like I think everybody who got put a stormtrooper esque costume on was because uh, you put them on normal sized people, they look too big. So that's why, you know, they like still, you know, put uh, like skinnier people and, and um, you know, men and women in those costumes is because that's that's how it, it has to be. So when you put him in there, it's kind of like, whoa. And that, that was why I was always curious. Are they actually going to put him in the suit? Because I can't imagine it would fit. It, of course, doesn't. So, like, it's like, number one, you have Boba Fett being super skinny, falls into the Sarlacc pit, comes out, roughly five years later, he's, like, three times the size. Like, usually you'd think the opposite would happen. Like, he'd be malnourished because he'd been healing up from being digested partially. No, he's been working out for this moment. He's been crate dragon steaks. Yeah, he has. Out in the (laughs) desert with the Tusken Raiders. And, And, like... Although I love seeing the Goffy stick come back too, like it just and, and he also has a that's a sand person blaster rifle, right? That's like their style, the one they take mm-hmm. pod shots at the the pod racers with, the right? Sniper rifle, yeah, yeah. So it's like it was weird because he's like, well, he's got Slave One still, but he lost his armor, and has he been on Tatooine the whole time? Like he tracked Mando to this 
like hidden Jedi planet, and yet he couldn't find you know the guy from Deadwood in five years. Like, yeah, <laughs> I do have some questions about all that for sure. But the moment that we saw him look over at the Razor Crest and the door was open, and I was oh, like, yeah, "Oh, yeah, yeah," I was like, "It doesn't matter. I don't care because I know what's coming." And yeah, like yeah. the payoff. The eight years I've been waiting yeah. since the Disney spinoff for, or the Disney buyout. When I called Will and I said, dude, Disney <laughs> bought Star Wars and they're doing a sequel trilogy and they're doing spinoff movies. And you know the first one's going to be a Boba Fett spinoff. These are know this. actual things I said to Will. Eight years later to finally have that payoff, I don't give a shit about the timeline for once in yeah Star Wars. <laughs> I, I see your point you know and they can always explain it later although i'm really curious how he found a like uh, robot tummy surgeon on tatooine on such short notice that he could find a woman who was basically dead and resuscitate. honestly he could have been hunting cobb vant like and right at the time he was gonna reap cobb vant the mando showed up and yeah yeah because you have to imagine boba fett had a Probably a lengthy recovery period from being in the Sarlacc because he does like his face is pretty jacked up, right? And all yeah. you really see is him watch him ride away on a speeder bike. Yeah, so basically following his armor. Between that and and nursing uh, Fennec Shan back to health, and and things like that, he's you know that takes up some of the time for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just saying like it's more like the idea that it seems like he had all this time. Like, he's supposed to be, like, the best bounty hunter in the world. How could he not find that guy? Well, maybe but, he was before he spent yeah. time in the Sarlacc pit. Maybe, if, you know, maybe he came back a little rough around <laughs> the edges. He came back, and he was more of a Den guard. He wasn't a full Boba Fett. Yet. Like <laughs> he was just okay. I mean, look, look it easily. It's not, like, a problem that's unsolvable. It's more that it raised all these questions right away. Plus, like, other stuff where he, like, kills, like, 50 stormtroopers, and he's like, oh, my God, the Empire's back. Okay, that was really weird. That was my question, right? So, yeah. So, this episode is mainly 20 minutes of Din Djarin, Fennec Shand, and Boba Fett annihilating stormtroopers. And it is cool because it's different, too. Because you're seeing like people getting crushed by that goffy stick, right? Oh, my God. I am so happy about the crushed helmets. Like, that is so cool. Like, I haven't seen that. A lot, you know, and to see it, him just whip ass and crush the helmets on like several of them, it was so cool. Yeah, and, and from him. so you know, they they kill all these stormtroopers. I also thought the moment where uh, she pushes the boulder and crushes all the stormtroopers was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then so yeah, that happens. the The dark troopers come down and grab Grogu. They take off, and then Boba Fett's chasing them in Slave One. And he breaks through the clouds, and he's like, holy shit, they're back. Buddy, you just fought 50 stormtroopers. Did you think they were just cosplayers? <laughs> yeah, they're back. I thought he was taking on the 501st. Like, uh, <laughs> I mean, the first season made a point of how, you know, warlords are using stormtroopers all over the place, right? That like, is a good point. That is a good point. That we It may been... not be strange to find, a, you know, two ships full of stormtroopers, but to find them hauling ass back to a... A giant cruiser. Maybe yeah, that just sort of crystallizes it for him. If it were a real Star Destroyer, I would be like, okay, I get it. Like, you're like, oh, I didn't know there was like, they still had this capability, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it was pretty weird. Like, and also, and that came right after the other thing that I was 
weirded out by where he's like, I've got an eye on the target. And he's like, no, y- y- you know, he's trying to sit, keep the baby safe. Why are you like, well, I can shoot him out of the sky. Like what? <laughs> I what, was, what did you think you were going to do? I don't know what his plan was there. was there. I was just hoping he was going to find some way to save him. I didn't oh, know right. how he was going to figure it out, but yeah. It, <clears throat> um, but the shoot them all and then fly under him and open the hatch up and catch him <laughs> something you know? if, he, if he had a reason to know why they were after uh grogu <laughs> still not used to the name yet my son took, took to it immediately it's like a tenacious d thing <laughs> yeah it's it's not it's a fine name it's just like everything sounds silly the first time you hear it star wars right but like i i was um now i can't remember what i was gonna say oh sorry no no it's my fault I, I derailed myself, my friend. Um, yeah, I was. I, if they showed you earlier that he knew why they wanted Grogu, like that, it was like it's better for this kid to be dead than captured because they're gonna torture this kid. Oh, like, I see. Then I would understand, but he doesn't know anything about it other than that somebody wants it really bad. Yeah, and that there's a high. Pr- and see, to me, the fact that you know, I think traditionally people would have portrayed Boba Fett as being more about the bounty than about some sort of code of honor. Right. This changes that. I like that. He has the code. Yes. That's my, especially especially introducing the wrinkle that his father was a foundling. Yes. Now. So we got to talk about that. Would have had this. When I saw that, I was like, Oh, Haas is going to like that. That's this fixes it. Yeah. Cause we've been talking about this forever now about how in clone wars that character Olmec says that Jango Fett wasn't really a Mandalorian and then you know there's been other mentions of how Jango and Boba weren't actually Mandalorians they just wore Mandalorian armor well this smooths that all over and they establish that because because you know Boba shows up and he's like I've been tracking you I want the armor, and and Din, of course, thinks he's talking about his armor. And he's like, no, I want the armor you took from Cobb Vanth. And then, you know, same old story. Somebody wants some Beskar, and Din's like, no, man, I'm not giving that to you. You're not a Mandalorian. And, you know, he mentions that the the armor was given to his father by Din's forebearers, and that his father, Jango, uh, participated in the Mandalorian Civil Wars, which... You want to talk about something I am ready to see more of. <laughs> Mandalorian Civil Wars, come on. Um, yeah, I think they really went a long way to fixing that thing. Like, I always think thought that was a mistake. Like, I felt like it's weird that you thought people wanted so much Boba Fett that they wanted an entire army of Boba Fett's. And then also thought what people would also appreciate is if he's not really a Mandalorian, the one thing they know about his history, right? It's, right. It just seems really odd. And it also makes him seem like, well, plus when you find out what the Mandalorians are in the Clone Wars, you're like, well, that's nothing special. Like, why do they even care? Like, they're just they're just people from a Boba Fett planet. Like, they're not interesting, really, to me. But then when you introduce this, it's like a whole nother wrinkle. And it's like, so he's a foundling like and that must be like, look, I think that they do not. I think that that sector of Mandalorian society does not procreate. I think they only adopt war orphans and their whole idea is like Mandalore is like a way of life and it perpetuates itself through war and death. And, uh, and that's what it's, that's what it's going to be for him. 
and I and which I'm worried about because I don't want him to ever take the helmet off. Like I want him to just stay the way he is because I like him better. Like I think, frankly, Starbuck is a bad guy in this show. Eventually, she's going to ruin everything. That. I heard that theory on um, on the Robbo report. Yeah. No, you didn't hear it anywhere else because I'm the only only person that dumb who thinks that that's. No, I I've actually seen some people like sort of be like, uh, I've seen a theory going about a couple places where they think like maybe, um, you know, uh, Bo Katan would get her hands on Grogu and then use him to trade for the dark saber or something. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't like a, that far out there of a theory is all I'm saying. I could definitely see. Now, obviously, I think that specific scenario is probably off the table now because Moff Gideon already has him. Right. <laughs> but it um, also be like a, oh, don't bring Drax the Destroyer to sneak up on Thanos because he can't do it. Like he's just going to freak out and stab him. Right. Right. Um, I mean, that's an even more obscure reference, perhaps. But, you know, this is a big movie. People saw it. Um. But, yeah, the the fact that they... They broached that subject because it would have been just real easy to just ignore it. But to give some sort of explanation that I felt was pretty well done, um, I was really happy with. Like, okay, so my biggest worry since the rumors that Tamora Morrison would be coming back as Boba Fett has been there's been a couple of them. And my biggest one was that the approach to Boba Fett would be one of two different possible approaches. One is sort of the way they treat Boba Fett in that bounty hunter comic book mm-hmm. that came out this year, you know, where like Boba Fett killed a pregnant lady and stuff. I didn't read the issue because like just the whole thing I saw about it bummed me out. And I was like, oh, I don't know, man, uh, this is not the kind of Boba Fett story I'm looking for. Right. Sort of the edge Lord Snyder cut version of Boba Fett, I guess <laughs> is what I was afraid of. Or, you get sort of the bro Buffett that the John Ham version of Boba Fett. From those, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I mean, for a, a goof and a gaff, that's yeah, fun. Yeah, it's yeah. a fun time, but that's not how I want a, a portrayal of Boba Fett in live action to be in a book, you know, in a short story and a collection of short stories. It's fine. I can, I can have a laugh and be like, okay, it's, it's sort of a robot chicken approach to Boba Fett. Right. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that was my two biggest worries and the fact that they didn't do either of those that they made him like a, I don't know that you can necessarily say a good guy but a dude that has a code of honor that has uh, I don't know if you would say morals but has like uh, he's not think- just an indiscriminate killer like yeah he wants his armor back but he tells him like Give me the armor, and I will make sure you and that kid are protected. I think we got two things that allows it to, that to happen. Like number one is that because he's an exact genetic duplicate of Django Fett, right down to the to the accent somehow, which, as we all know, is a genetic trait that gets passed down through the genes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because of that you've got an idea of what he's like, right? Because you know Django Fett. Like I don't think that movie portrayed him as being. Like, yeah, sure, he'll kill you if that's what he's told to do, if he's right. paid to do it. But it's not personal. Like, and I, oh, here's here's the long, long term like prequel era, uh, canon era that I that they fixed that I liked is that when he repeats the line, he says, "I'm just a simple man trying to make his way in the galaxy." 
He doesn't say universe because that makes no sense. <laughs> galaxy, damn it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I, I noticed the difference uh, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, but did not equate it to that. And like, that is a Robbo just, detail through and through. Only, only could bug me. Only. <laughs> I think there's that, but then also because of the show, you've got an idea of like, oh, there's a there's a subset of Mandalorians out there. Well, we know now it's a subset, but we weren't sure. But there are people who live by a sort of code, and and you can understand how if they promise to do something in exchange for something else, right? And you you fulfill your part of the bargain, you can kind of get like, okay, he's obliged to do this. This isn't the same as like you know, Jabba pays me to kill you. But if, uh, you know, Shizor pays me more to not kill you, then I'll, I'll not do it. Right. 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 I'll, I think always with Boba Fett, like the, he's had a lot of different characterizations, as you know, well, right. Was. For sure. But I think that one of the <laughs> only constants they had was that he would not he protects his reputation above all else because his reputation is the way he makes his living. And without it, he's nothing which is why he's willing to kill anybody else who pretends to be him and why he's willing to do things even after, even if he could make more money by not doing them, like it's important to him and it makes sense. Like it's his job. Right. So I think that it's, although I don't want to see him go full good guy. I really do like the idea of a Boba Fett. Who's just like, no, he's a, he's a bad dude. He's just, he's really smart. And that's why he can catch Han Solo. And I also kind of wish they would have done something, I, w- I wish they would have done something like the way Boba Fett catches Han Solo with the Mando. Not like the same trick, but just to explain how he was able to track him to this mystery planet. Yeah, like, and why he didn't make his move, you know, on the ice spider planet or on... Uh, I mean, obviously, the reason he didn't is because this is when they decided to write him into the story. But, like, you know, has he been j- just trailing him and, and did he... What about this moment made him feel like this was the moment he could make his move, right? I, we, we don't see it. It could be that he's like a few steps behind. And so he yeah. just, but once he got to, um, maybe he killed Ahsoka and then got the information from her before oh, she died. How sick would that be? No, it would sick. not be, buddy. It will never happen. Don't man, you put that, that bad juju on Boba <laughs> Fett, bruh? Like, I, I just got him redeemed, my man. Don't, put, don't do that to me. Well, what if it was his job? I don't know. I mean, he, it, like, he's not going to like the Jedi. Samuel well, Jackson cut off his dad's head. Well, let me tell you. I, I am not one to to give such far out there theories a, a their props but Jonathan Grosso himself hit me with a theory today that is batshit insane okay, okay. full <laughs> disclaimer it's batshit insane but when Buckle i up, sat Will. when i sat down and thought about it i was like oh well that would be weird like and if anything this show has shown us is almost anything is on the table. By the way, once again, Rob and I are not talking over Will. He had to go put one of his kids back to sleep. Okay. <laughs> I He'll be I, right I thought back. I was talking over him. No, but. no, no, no. <laughs> um, so anyways, Johnny's theory is that Grogu did contact a Jedi. And that Jedi was Mace Windu. Wow. Now, this is, so, you know, once again, this is a situation where the actor who portrayed the character 
has said a couple of times, like, yeah, I would come back and play Mace Windu if they found out a way to do it. And, like, likes to joke around about how Mace didn't die in episode three. Right. Now, as crazy as that sounds, though, think about the story implications for Boba Fett if Mace Windu shows up in this story. You, he's going to see the Jedi who killed his dad in front of him. Like, that would... That would it, be the awkward part is the first thing Mace is going to say is like, didn't I chop your head off? Because <laughs> <laughs> they look identical. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. But you you, you see what I'm saying now. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's going to be the case. I think legitimately it, it, to me, the two most likely candidates are Luke Skywalker or a new character. Now, the thing is the Mandalorian, uh, the show New characters it would be, with these kind of hints or these kind of buildups, that ain't their bag necessarily. Not this season. Not this season specifically. So, you know, I, I really do feel like Luke Skywalker is probably the answer. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, a, I'm afraid it's going to be like uh, another cartoon character. <laughs> I feel you think- like... Well, so I, I was talking to Steel, and you know, uh, one of the bigger, more popular theories about that whole thing is Ezra, right? Right. And and I think Steel sort of summed it up the best way is they're not going to just throw out the whole idea of Ezra being lost out in the unknown regions and get rid of that whole journey to find Ezra to bring him into the show. That's like. That kind of defeats the purpose of the end of Rebels of, and where they left that character off. So I don't think it'll be Ezra. And I think yeah. that is a good like sort of line of thought of why it wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't have to be. I, I don't have anything against Ezra. I'm more on the side of like, I think there's way too many surviving Jedi as it is. Because like the movies tell you that Luke, when I'm dead, the last of the Jedi will you be? I mean, no less an authority than Muppet Yoda says it. So <laughs> I really don't like, I mean, I don't like, I actually liked Ahsoka in the last episode and I'm not like a huge fan or anything. Um, but I was like, uh, you know, I like the portrayal of the character and I was like, well, not how I would have done it, but you've already established that she's still alive. So like, it makes sense. Like, it's not like it's out of left field. Right. Like, right. But when you like, are like, well, no, like it's also this guy and this guy and that person. And then it's like, well, what then Yoda was just a straight up liar. Or was he like, this is like one of his technicality things. It's like technically redefined. Preview. <laughs> well, it, it, Tano, not a true Jedi. Yeah, well, you know that there's always that wrinkle. There's always the idea that like, for lack of a better term, Yoda and Obi-Wan kind of use Luke in the uh, original trilogy. You know what I'm saying? Where they're like, you got to go kill your dad. Yeah, that's the that's, only answer. That's that's prequel nonsense. That's that's uh, because they're so mean and nasty in the prequels. Like, that's not the characters. The characters who are portrayed in the original movies are good people who, like, I think Obi-Wan is like, he doesn't want to do, well, I don't know, this is an entirely different thing. I don't I, I will not do it. I will not take the bait. Uh, <laughs> but, but like since what I like about. Oh, OK, go ahead. Sorry. So uh, there is a character who I don't know if it would be who he connected with. 
Um, why can't I remember her name? It's a character who I keep expecting them to do something with. It's the character who frames Ahsoka um, mm. for murder or whatever in the ep- the, in the, the bombing art. thing. That yeah, Barris is it Barris Offy? I have no idea. I think that's her name, Barris Ophi. I'm, I'm impressed. I with myself just remembering the details of that one. Um, and you know she, they haven't done anything with her since that, and like they haven't established what happened to her and stuff. Yeah, it's Barris Ophi or Offi, however you say it. So like you know, there's there's other, you know, I guess potential possibilities. Now, let me tell you what. If at the end of this season. We get a shot where we're on a snowy planet, right? Yeah. And it pans out, and there's a huge old cockhead looking (laughs) off into space. And maybe he's got a robot belly, too. I will then be convinced that I live in a simulation, that this is is all fake. Because I'm already struggling with it. If there's any justification, like, if there's any good news about robot tummies being a thing in Star Wars... It's that it, I think that's where Kiati gets shot, right? Well, he gets he, shot in the back and then the, the belly or something. Like, I mean, why not? Like, I mean, he gets you... real lit up. So, yeah, but like, just replace all of it. Like, I don't get it. Like, apparently, you can survive just about anything. That's why, like, Mace Windu coming back, like, rules as written. Hawes, if this were an RPG or something, you'd be like, well, actually, you know, we did see a guy get cut in half and then thrown down a pit, and yeah. he survived. Yeah. So like who dies? Like nobody. If in any other universe Johnny Grosso had given me that theory, I would have called him up and be like, dude, you're crazy. But he gives me that theory after what we've seen this season, and I'm like, I I can't discount it. Cause who the who the hell knows what the fuck's gonna happen? I mean, it's probably the only Jedi they could bring back that would get some kind of pop out of the audience besides Luke. Right. Like, is Ezra, you're not going to, like, look, it, it's regardless because it's perfect sense timeline wise. Like, I feel like they figure that stuff out as they go. Right. <laughs> I Maybe I'm exaggerating because that's how it seems to me. I'm a little bit bitter about it. But, like, with with that like you wouldn't know because it doesn't have like some weird head thing going on where it's like oh it's got like the weird like you know thing grown on his head that's how you know it's Ezra like no he just looks like a regular guy yeah I mean but with Mace Windu like I would despise this choice but I I feel like that's the only one you could bring back except I mean maybe Kiati like I don't want to remove all hope no look that's a long shot I'm just telling you like, I am going to have to go to therapy if it happens. Because after last night's episode, I was already like, did I make this all up? The yeah, fuck is going on? Your mail. Yeah, what's going on? Like, is this going to say written by Halls Burkhardt at the end? Because uh, it's all coming up. Millhouse, baby. Like, what the yeah. fuck just happened to me? I think you're going to find <laughs> out that you didn't realize it, but you actually are like you know, the next in line for a huge inheritance from some uncle you've never heard of. And like Dave <laughs> Filoni wants that money. And so he's trying, he's trying to butter you up and like get you to let your guard down. Think anything's possible now. <laughs> and that's when he's going to strike. 
Uh, it, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be um, Trading Places. It's going to be a big <laughs> joke. If anybody's ever seen that that movie. Star Wars Trading Places with me. And next thing you know, there's going to be all kinds of Boba Fett stuff. I mean, but here's the thing. Even if it's Luke, Luke might take Grogu. But I don't think that would make sense because we know he doesn't restart like training students for a long time. Yeah. And the only reason why he wouldn't is because he doesn't feel like he's ready. Right. And so if he finds this super powerful baby Muppet, the last thing he's going to do is be like, OK, sure, I'll bring bring that on. So I do think he's going to show up. And I do think like personally, if I were going to if I could direct the episode where Luke Skywalker meets the Mando. It would be uh, he would meet him and then he would uh, be about ready to open his mouth to say something. And then there'd be like a helicopter shot just circling the area and then it would roll credits. We just do it again. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Like, do, what do you think? Did... I kind of feel like regardless, I don't think I think baby Yoda's fate is not decided until the end of this series. I think baby Yoda Grogu. Sorry is along for the ride until this show is over. Because I think they realize what an integral part he is to the story and people's attachment to the show. And just from like a cynical standpoint, like they don't want to, to ruin that. So I don't see Luke or anybody showing up and being like, oh, cool, thanks. I'm going to take him along. And then you go on two more season v- adventures without Grogu. I just don't see that happening. So. Yeah. You know, it also could be very protracted. It's not like, I don't think whoever he connects with in this episode shows up this season. Yeah, I would say that if it weren't for the way this season has been going. It's just like literally like they tell you they're going to do something and you're lucky if you get an episode in between that and when it happens. In this case, like I don't think anyone thought they were going to immediately go to this planet. No. I assumed that they were going to get like waylaid somehow like, like he usually does and something would happen in between. And he would. I thought he was going to get intercepted by the Imperials before he even got there, and so I was really. But then again, like I do, like, like I got to say, like season one of the Mando, like I'm not all negative. Like that's like almost my favorite Star Wars thing ever, pretty mm-hmm. much. Like that's ex- if I if you ask me like what I would do if you just gave me like we're going to give you all the money, Robo. We're going to give you like carte blanche, like just do what you want. It wouldn't be exactly that. But the spirit of it would be the same. I mean, Ugnolty would have to be there somehow. Right. I would invent it if it didn't exist. But like that kind of thing, like I love that season because every character you meet is a new character. Every and and, and if you do meet um, a character that has some kind of connection, it's either like very brief or it's in the middle of a bunch of new things. And this season, they just kind of like backloaded all that stuff to the season. So it feels like a really kind of Star Wars Forrest Gump to me because it's like. You know, in this episode, you meet this person. In this episode, you meet that person. And it's like, I, so it's hard for me to say, like, they won't just go ahead and do it because I don't know that I don't see them holding stuff back. Like, you could have gotten away with teasing out Boba Fett for like another season. Oh, and I thought they were. I've, ne- I'm, I'll, granted, I've never been happier to be wrong, but I've said multiple <laughs> times this year, like, I didn't think we'd see him again this season. Um, now, you know, all of this is dependent on how long they plan this show to be. Is it three seasons? Is it four seasons? Whatever. And I think they do have a general idea of of how long this is going to go. You know, if this is a three-season show, then 
yeah, I think it could happen fairly quickly. But I think at the end of the day, you have like a couple of options as far as Grogu goes. I honestly don't think he ends up in Luke's care because we know that shit doesn't go well. And I don't think you're going to have him handed off to Luke. The show's going to end. And then everybody goes, hey, wait a second. What happened to all Luke's students? Oh, shit. You know what I mean? So this is my two lines of thinking. I think the reclamation of Mandalore with Bo-Katan and her and the Darksaber and all that stuff, I think that is in-game stuff as far as the the story Mm. is concerned. So either he Mandalore or or Din Djarin decides to keep Grogu in his care and he just, you know, they live out their days on Mandalore. Or what I think could also end up happening is... Somebody, not Luke, it could be Din Djarin, it could be some force user or whatever, takes Grogu into hiding. And is like, look, you know, basically a, a, a Yoda situation. We got to take mm. him and hide him somewhere away because that's at least a reasonable explanation of where he was during the sequel trilogy that allows him to survive, you know, the incident at, at uh, Luke's temple with Ben. Right. Mm -hmm. And then also opens up the inevitable 100 years past the sequel trilogy, you know, middle aged or teenaged age, whatever it'd work out to be Grogu. What what if Grogu is one of the handful of students that goes with Kylo Ren? Brutal. He's just like a little little stumpy little guy just walking around choking people to death. And he's got like an eyebrow ring. He's, he's got all like some, goth. he's all goffed up, yeah. 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 Some yeah, eyeliner. I think, that, I think that the ending shot, if not shot, but the ending thing that happens that, that closes out a story is that you finally find the Yoda planet. Um, there must be a reason why they're so rare. And and it must have something to do with like if they have some kind of weird, you know, they've got the space magic and they don't want to be involved in that. <laughs> they don't want to be uh, you know cloned and smashed up and kidnapped and they don't want any part of that right who can blame and then like you know so like it's going to be like this close encounter to the third kind you know like where richard dreyfus like touches like like sees the alien and it's like this like big dramatic things like oh he's he's finally with his own people in a way and all that stuff i think it's going to be like that but it could literally be. just more yoda muppets and hopefully they don't say anything because it would be really cool unless one of them starts talking yoda talk and I would just be like, no, 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 no. Bad idea. But I can see like you just see him for a, like, you know, a few seconds and you just see him reunited with his own kind. And that that is a situation where I can see Grogu like being willing to leave the Mando and the Mando being willing to, to leave him in somebody's care. Mm-hmm. And, and it being like a touching moment because like, you know, they're kind of like just like the his his cult of Mandalorians and that they're like maybe like a hunted and chased and secret people who who can't be truly free unless they're you know kept uh hidden away i i think that's a possibility too where the whole idea that he needs to return him to his quote-unquote people and that people is is the jedi is not necessarily the case and it turns out that he needs to return them to like the yoda planet or you know who knows maybe through some you know course of history and star wars 
the reads, you know, there's not, like you said, there's not a lot of them left. Maybe they're nomadic. Maybe what, what are left, uh, what few of that species are left don't have a pl- an actual planet that they call home. And he just has to find out where they are or something even. <laughs> you know, um, can I like uh, spit out, like weave this into a completely discarded that will, you know, idea for Blue Harvest Adventures that's never going to happen? Um, I would be, I, it, what I would consider doing is I would make them a species that uh, decided to travel the galaxy before hyperspace was discovered. And so their way of doing things is just they live really long. And so every, everywhere they go, it takes for freaking ever. Uh, and so you meet them and you're like the first contact they've ever had with another, you know, alien species. And like, it's to them, it's a huge event. But to you, it's like, what are you doing? I mean, this is, you guys have been doing this for how long? I, I mean, it's not unfathomable, unfathomable, you know, the word I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, considering that, like, in, as Star Wars goes on, like distance has no meaning, just mm-hmm. like time barely has any meaning. I don't think they would do it just because you'd have to be like, oh, guess what? It means something now. It's like, but yeah. I mean, that, I just like the idea that they're super long lived. So maybe that's their way of traveling is they just they're really slow. It's like uh, like in Futurama, the slow mobile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> OK, let's jump into voicemails and stuff, because we've I, I, I like I said, I knocked out the emails, but we quite got quite a bit of voicemails. I wanted to save them for you and Will. And uh, hopefully Will will be back with us before too long here. So um, let's jump into those. And I'm sure, as usual, those will continue the discussion. So um, you cool doing that? Oh, yeah. 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 Let's jump into that. Kia-dee. Kia D, Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D, Cockhead, running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kia D, Cockhead, to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kia D, Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow! Cockhead! Blue Herb! Cockhead! Harsberger! Cockhead! Will Witt! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! Key and D! Cockhead! Cockhead! All right. First up, we got King Tom. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey there, Hawes, Will, and Robbo. Hawes, I hope you're okay after this episode of The Mandalorian. (laughs) I thought it was great. There's a lot that stood out, but the thing that stood out the most to me was um, the fact that Boba at the end was going the honor route and going to help Din uh, after he said he would earlier. That was just... That hit home in so many ways. But... I have a question about something else going on in Star Wars. Um, don't know if you saw it, but there there's snippets of a $500 Star Wars archives book that's coming out in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, I, I can think of a few better uses for $500 right now. But the one I'm thinking of in particular uh, mentions an interview with George about 
you know, the next trilogy or the sequel trilogy and selling to Disney. And I think that this is a case of George, as he does every now and then, retelling his own history with a different spin uh, because it changes what we've heard in every other form and that he says he wanted to do the new movies first and then wanted to sell, where everything that we know says, well, George wanted to sell because he didn't want to do these movies and came up with a treatment or, you know, ideas and sold those along with Disney. But no, George said he was going to do this first and he had stuff in place. Um, I want to ask, because I know, you know, Robbo and I talk about Uncle George every now and then. What, what do you guys think would have happened if George had stuck around um, because I think, you know, George ended up selling because in the interview he says he wanted to build his museum and, and have kids and, you know, enjoy married life. And I do think that he thought he would have been a little bit more of a creative consultant, but, you know, Disney bought Lucasfilm and then said, no, thanks. But do you think that, that George would have made the three movies on his schedule and I think if my math is correct you know if, if the first one came out in 2015 we'd be getting the third one this year or next year so would he, would he have made the movies would he have quit ha halfway through it if you know executive produced them but handed them off to someone else to direct and write curious what you guys think anyway thanks for listening thanks for the great podcast and I will talk with you later oh I love talking about Uncle George um so what do you think uh, this is the thing I, king tom kind of nailed it when he said that like i love jo uncle george he has given me so much joy in my life the reason i'm yeah. sitting here talking to you right now is because of uncle george the reason i got 50 texts and dms last night <laughs> at 2 30 in the morning is because of uncle george but Uncle George is a guy who likes to maybe twist his story around a bit from time to time. You know, how many times did he go from I had it planned out all along to writing the producers of Lost and saying, ah, I made it up as I went along. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I do think it's interesting, the idea that and, and you know, I think there's probably elements in everything he says and, and it's somewhere in the middle as most things are in life but I don't know if you recall but shortly before or after uh, The Force Awakens came out there was an interview with Jet Lucas George's son where he said mm -hmm. that George's original plan was to direct episode 7 and then sell so I think he probably just kind of explored all the options like, do I get this new trilogy off the ground and then sell? Do I try to do all, you know, the whole thing and then sell? Do I sell and they let me make the movies I want to make? Like, I think yeah. he kind of explored all the options. And then I do think it's a truthful statement when he says, like, he didn't want to devote another 10 years to making a trilogy because yeah. <laughs> he would be close to in his 80s when it was done. And if, if the math was correct and the first one came out in 2015, then yeah, next year we would be seeing episode nine with the normal three year gap in between movies. <clears throat> and I totally get that. He was about to have a baby. He was, you know, fairly recently married. He'd had this long gestating idea of like a, a film history museum, which he wanted to put together. 
So I think that is true. But I don't, other than that, it's, it's hard to say because he's a guy that likes to, you know, tweak things here and there, not just in his movies, but also in, you know, his personal history. Yeah. He, the thing about, like, again, I, th- I feel like I need like a, some kind of shorthand for, I love uncle George and we'll never, uh, you know, we'll never be able to thank him enough for all the great things he's given us and so on and so on. However, um, you know, because it's like, it's not like he's a, I'm not saying like, I'm about to say like, he's a horrible person and nobody should listen to him. It's more like the the stuff he says is always what he needs. Like, you got to remember, he financed all of the sequels after the original Star Wars. He financed them all himself one way or another. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you got to make your investors feel like they're getting the golden goose. They're getting the guy who's got it all in his head. And that's why he would make claims that we uh, can say straight up, like there's no question or false, right? Like about like, and every time he, he talks about it, it gets a little bit more elaborate, but like anything he says about knowing that he was going to do a whole trilogy about Darth Vader as a child is, is a lie. And it's stuff that he was, he, but if he says the opposite is like, I'm kind of making it up as I go along. And when I refer back to my notes, it's like four pages on a legal pad with mostly with names of planets and people. Mm-hmm. Then, which is what it actually is. Then he like the the people like Pepsi in Yum Brands or whoever invested in episodes uh, uh, one, two, and three, freaks out. He can't do that, and he's also employing a lot of people yeah. at that time. Which is why I wonder why he would say something that's not true when none of that is the case anymore. It's like, does he? You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have any reason. That's how why I always assumed he was doing that stuff. I feel like he's like at heart is a humble guy in that he he doesn't believe in the myth of George Lucas and that he knows that like a lot of times like you're just you you find out whether people like what you invented after the fact and you really have no idea how it's going to pan out and mm-hmm. you're kind of stuck with what you you know what you can do. And I don't know why he would say that stuff now if it wasn't true. But then again, the only other thing I can add to it is that I know this is either like uh, pre um, lockout Pablo or one of those people said something shortly after the force awakens when people were talking about what, what George Lucas's plan was. And I mean, he was saying stuff like, look, the plan was always to like bring back like X-wings and tie fighters and classic designs and, you know, switch back to like, even when, even when George was there, we were going to do the real sets, practical effects thing. That was the plan to, to gear up for that because the plan was always to make the property as valuable as we could before the, the company was sold. And uh, so treatments were made because it, it made it, you could get more money for Lucasfilm if you had new stuff in the hopper. Like there's new stuff. Like it's a totally different thing to say, well, well you could buy Lucasfilm, but you're going to be starting from scratch. Like your return on your investment is going to be, you know, seven years away. Because there's nothing ready to, you know, in in the works. It's you can't get as much money for that. And the same, I think, would be true if George said, "Well, I'm going to sell it, but I have to do the first one because it's you. If you know nothing else about Uncle George, you know that he's got some crazy ideas, and you don't know. Like it could be brilliant, or it could be kind of iffy. Like I don't know that. Like I, I'm super glad that uh, the prequels found their audience and, and there's no question that the fandom is better off because we had those movies and to introduce the series to, and, and, and frankly, enlarge the series and do 
crazy new things that changes the game, right? Right. You're, you're, it's good to have those out there, and, and the effect has been net positive. But it's a big risk to say, like, now we're going to do one more with Uncle George, where he's got absolute creative control. Like, what is he going to do? What if he does bring it to the microbiological world? Like, yeah, and might that... find its audience 10 years later, <laughs> but at the time, it makes the company a riskier bet to buy. Yeah, and, and you know, it's a, it's a little... It's complicated, right? Well, for one thing, that whole bring it down to its microbiological level thing is so weird when you compare that to the whole idea that came out, I think, from the same book or whatever, where the idea was for Darth Maul and the crime syndicates would would be the big villains of the sequel trilogy. Like, I guess I don't see how those two ideas mesh. And to me, that once again sort of signifies George like George plays around with these elements you can read the making of a new hope book by J.W. Rensler and see his process like the original drafts of Star Wars are vastly different than the final product right right. as most creative things are you know what I mean things go through this process and then on the other hand like I do think as much as I love the Disney era of star Wars. Like I think you could have used a little bit extra, a little bit of the George Lucas wackiness in the mix. You know what I mean? And I feel like when it's come close to that or when I feel like it comes close to that is when it sort of hits that nice toasty sitting by the fire middle ground where it's, it's just like, like to me, that's what the last Jedi is. Yeah. I was about to say the same thing. I felt like I don't understand why people who love the, the lore that was expanded into the prequels are often not always, I don't want to generalize here, but I, there are often people who do not like the last Jedi. Not always, not always. And, and which, which always <laughs> weirds me out. Cause I'm like, that is the most like, it's got so many things in there that are very like uncle George type things. It's just, he doesn't linger on them as much. So you, they're not as noticeable, but like the weird alien opera singer lady is like, Oh, you know, it's like, it's just for a half a second. Mm-hmm. Uncle George would have loved that. Yeah. Right? Or, or the very similar thing. Cause I watched this movie last night to, to kill some time. The, uh, the head in the jar singing in Dryden Voss's pleasure lot or yacht yeah. and solo. Yeah. Like that's uncle George through and through. Um, and you know, I just, I do feel like it would have benefited from it. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a tough situation here. Here's the other side of the, the marketing and value of the company thing. I think that with Disney, like they, they're, they had this, their goal and you can't say they didn't succeed with The Force Awakens, was to get as many asses back in the seats as possible. They wanted everybody. And they got them. And they got them. And the thing is, is that I don't know that they, I think that they probably did use more of Georgia's stuff than they will say. Because now there's been this whole like thing where like, well, you know, he says they didn't use my stuff. And they're like, well, we kind of did but they can't really they never want to talk about like how they really how the sausage is made right that's not there's not going to be a rensler book coming out about force awakens Mm-mm. possibly in our lifetimes no. i mean it's been written i think but <laughs> it could be written but 
they're not going to do it. Not for a while. You know, it's you make a lot of enemies and hurt a lot of feelings in making a movie like that. Well, and I feel like there's a reason those Rensselaer books came out, you know, 20, 30 years after the movies were made. Right. With the exception of the Revenge of the Sith one. Right. Which was the first one that kind of kicked off his involvement with Star Wars. But yeah, like, you know, the, the ones made about the original trilogy made well after the fact. I think it's much more difficult to make that kind of book in the midst of these movies being made, you know, yeah. and J.W. Rinsler, unfortunately, is not in the best health right now. Oh, um, no, really? Yeah, I think he's he's dealing with uh, with cancer. Um, so, like, you know, it's 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 a shame. I would love to read that Force Awakens book. But, you know, the the Force Awakens also had the messy situation of Harrison Ford being injured on set and yeah. all that stuff. So. You know, there's a <laughs> yeah, lot they going might be, on. Yeah, they, they might have not wanted the book to come out because it's like it would be evidence against them because they broke the law in the process of making that movie, which is why they were fined by the British government because, yeah. for that accident. But anyway, but like I think the other side of it is because George Lucas is a, is a creative guy, like every creative person, the way he sees it is the is the way it really is. Even if that changes every day he wakes up in the morning. When somebody deviates from it, even fifty percent, it's like they did. It's like they did the exact opposite. Right. I, right. I, totally. I see what you mean. Absolutely. <laughs> he might say stuff like that, like, "Oh, they. I can't believe they didn't use my ideas," because to him, they didn't. Like to him, The Empire Strikes Back is is a uh, not what he wanted it to be. You know what I mean? Like, and he tried to like re-edit the movie to make it faster and more intense, literally. Mm-hmm. And and it just it just wouldn't work. And so he's like, "Fine, do it." And it's always seems to have been kind of a slightly sore spot to him that people talk about it in such glowing terms, not because he doesn't like it, but because it's like that's not what I, you know, that's not really what they should have been doing. They should have been doing this. Like it should have been more like this. And so to him, it's always been kind of like the the. Not not like he's disparaged the movie. He's been nothing but gracious about the people who made it, right? But right. you know what I'm saying? Like, well, you, get, you know, you, in this fire the producer and <laughs> in this section of the book that King Tom is referencing, he even brings that up and says, like, yeah. I tried to pass off Empire and Jedi to people I considered friends, and I was still there every day. You know, yeah, making well, he, like, suggestions. Almost lost his mind doing that. Like, it ruined his marriage. It did. And and it could have bankrupted him. I don't think it was ever at risk of doing that. But he probably you can't <laughs> you don't believe that if it's your money on the line, right? Are we just, talking about just made why it. George sold to Disney. Well, uh, yeah. Like he says, like, is he how serious is he when he says like he had this whole thing planned out and they ignored all of it? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, perfect timing, Will, because we're about to jump into a voicemail from Intercontinental Tom. Glad to have you back, buddy. Thank you. Blue Harvesters, and in particular, Mr. Horsburghart, congratulations. This is your day. Uh, the faith, the trust, the belief, it's all paid off, man. <laughs> Today is your day. Um, great. I'm not going to go into details. You guys have covered everything, I'm sure. But yeah, that episode had... Uh, uh, I watched it twice in a row and then spent the next three hours basically pacing around my apartment. <laughs> um, great, great, great stuff. I have two questions. Sorry for being greedy. Number one, um, has it ever been established before that 
Boba Fett's armor was actually uh, belonged to Jango Fett. Did he, is it just did he repaint it or like uh, is this the first time we've be, we've heard this? I don't remember it uh, coming up before. Um, and perhaps you have covered this before, but the helmet. What's up with that? Was that not Jango Fett's helmet that was uh, blown in half in that episode of The Clone Wars when it was used as a booby trap for Mace Windu? Uh, my second question is uh, regarding um, recasting. I really think Star Wars has an awesome track record with recasting. So there's big ones like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Han Solo, uh, Lando Carizian. Uh, but even the, the smaller ones like uh, Mon Mothma, Killer. Um, now, you know, a lot of t there's a lot of talk about is, is Luke coming back? Is, this, is it going to be Luke at the end of this season? And talking about whether Sebastian Stan would be the choice to play him. And uh, Luke's my favorite character of all time, and I'm open to that. And I think Sebastian Stan would be a great choice. So I was thinking about other characters, and I was thinking, you know, Luke's, Luke's my guy. He's been my guy for 40 years, and I'm open to uh, someone other than Mark Hamill playing him. But you know what's weird? I would not be open to anyone but Daisy Ridley playing Ray. <laughs> Why is that? I just like she's she has now become my second favorite character of all time. Um, but there's just something about like I cannot imagine anyone else doing Ray. Even though I I, I kind of like there's been you know other people doing her her uh, in animation and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I just. I would, I would struggle with that some, for some reason. Anyway, I just wanted to ask you guys, are there any Star Wars characters that you would not be okay with being recast? All right, thanks. Party on, dudes. This is Intercontinental Tom slash Secret Australian Tom slash Friendly Tom <laughs> signing out. <laughs> Will, do you remember one day, uh, we didn't record it, but you were hanging out over here and we were discussing whether Boba Fett and Jango Fett's armor were the same armor. Yeah. And you pointed out something that somehow I never noticed was that Jango Fett has leg armor and Boba Fett doesn't. Right. Um, so like shin guards or whatever, like thigh guards. Even. Yeah. Thigh guards yeah, and shin yeah, guards. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't know that it's ever been established <laughs> that I know of that they're the same armor. And that, that scene he's talking about in clone wars adds to the confusion for me like because we do see him use a helmet that looks like Django's fat as a booby trap to try and kill uh mace windu and he blows it up i guess we just have to go on the assumption that that wasn't Django's fat now like i'm a big fan of the simplest explanation is the explanation right right uh my big question is what happened to boba fett's cod piece did that just not get spit up by the Sarlacc? Because Cobb Vanth didn't have it. Now Boba Fett doesn't have it. And how's my man going to protect him's nuts without yeah, that cod well, piece? He's just wearing painter's pants before, wasn't he? Well, he's got a cod piece in, in the original trilogy and stuff. He does have like a... You I know, don't remember. Uh, hold on. Let me turn around. Yeah, he's definitely got a cod piece. Just looked at the hot toy. So, you know, hopefully maybe the, the armorer will, will hook him up with a new cod piece. One day, one day the story I mean, of Boba Fett's cod piece can be told. Hey, man, Clearly, Lucasfilm, I got you. you know, 
obviously, you know, Boba Fett didn't make it out with every piece of Jango Fett's armor. Yeah. Perhaps he lost the cod piece in the Sarlacc. He's just steadily losing pieces. Yeah, eventually it's just going to be the helmet and that robe. (laughs) Okay, um, Robbo, who is a character you would not like to see recast? I mean... Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I kind of thought I that mean, might be your answer. Yeah, I don't like it's I I don't know. I mean, it's not really an interesting answer. It's more like unless they're going to use him a whole lot more than I think is wise to do. Mm-hmm. You could get you could get by with like, you know, doing a you know, Robert De Niro and the Irishman thing. Like he's going to sound older. But, you know, we've already dealt with that with James Earl Jones and Vader. It's like, yeah, you know it, what? It like, works. It's fine. If, I can... if, you can, if you can live with Boba Fett gaining, like, you know, 200 pounds <laughs> of muscle, of raw muscle, after being spit up from a, a, a giant sand butthole, like, you can get, you can get by. <laughs> I mean, they already Boba. kind of set up for that. Like, there's the Luke that we saw that was old man Luke, right? Like, like haggard old man and then the projection at the end of the last Jedi, like that's cleaned up significantly. Like that is not old man Luke. That is rewind the clock 10, 20 years. Yeah, maybe yeah. ten years, but not like twenty five years. Yeah, no, not no, like no, no, Mandalorian no. time period, Luke. No. So uh I will say this about um Tom's idea of not recasting Ray. I totally agree with that right now. I would oh, be yeah. so mm-hmm. bummed. I like Daisy Ridley so much and her portrayal of Ray so much. Now, my question, not to you guys necessarily or even Tom, just in general, is let's say, you know, 20, 30 years down the line, we're getting new Star Wars movies with Daisy Ridley in her 50s playing Ray. And then eventually they decide they want to tell stories with Ray in between episode nine and those movies, right? You see what I'm saying? Do you yeah. think Tom and my opinion would change then? Like, would would our love of the character and wanting to see more stories involving the character change our ideas of seeing her recast then? Because I think it might. Because if you asked me <clears throat> years ago if I would want to see Luke recast, I would be with Robbo and say, no, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really down with that. But the the bait, the the bait on the hook of seeing a couple more Luke Skywalker stories told in whatever fashion and live action. Like that's what gets me more interested in it. You know what I'm saying? So I wonder if over time that feeling would, would change. You know, for a totally different reason, what would piss me off the most is if they recast Rose. Cause then it's like, you totally Ooh. shut her out of the yeah. series. That is and a no And then pretend like you didn't. And then you really did. Yeah, that's a, and, that's a no-go. Which is just a dick move. Like, I'm sorry. It, it, it was really... I, I still don't feel good about that because this this is her break. Like, even more than John Boyega. This was it. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... Anyway, but th- then to bring her back as some other actress would be cruel. Yeah. Um, I, 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 yeah. That would That is, like, worst-case scenario. That's not just a, like... No, I can't think of anybody else playing the character type scenario. That is just like worst case that's nightmare. Trying to piss you off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. I just want to throw that out there because we got to like like the other actors can be re- replaced, and it's not like a personal thing necessarily. It's just like maybe they wanted too much money, maybe they were too old or something. <laughs> but 
with Rose, it's like if you're going to bring Rose back, which you should, mm-hmm. um, like give give it to give it to Kelly Marie. It's just not. I just I still just that just made me think about that. And I know I know it's been done to death. But, I was um, glad to see her back for the Lego Holiday Special. Granted, they didn't give her much to do then, but I was glad to see her, you know, doing the role there. And she's got the the voice in that Disney animated. I think it's Raya and the Last Dragon, that that CG animated mm-hmm. movie that looks pretty cool. Like I'm glad to see her doing other stuff, and I hope it's like a situation where. You know, a couple years down the road after that comes out and like hopefully it's a big success, like it just becomes more apparent what a dumb move it was to reduce her role so much in episode nine. You know what I mean? The the thing she has, and I guess we should probably move on to the next voicemail, but I think like the thing that you can't get from too many other actors is that like you feel like she's your friend as soon as you meet her. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just she just has that warmth to her in that. I feel like he just it, for her not to be getting all kinds of work is just I mean, Daisy really is, of course, like super crazy talented and, and John Boyega the same. And I, I refuse to believe that they're not going to get work like I know yeah. John Boyega is in something that sounds really good. And I'm sure Daisy will will be able to get, you know, plenty of jobs. She's just way too talented not to. But well, with, she's with in the movie with, with Tom Holland that. Yeah, released the. Uh, is it based on a video game? No, that he, that? no, he's in the Uncharted movie. Oh, that's what but, I'm mixing up. But they're in a movie together called Chaos Rising that's, that's been right. filmed and done for a couple years now, I think. Yeah, it's like a New Mutant situation, I and, think. Yeah, and it's just now getting trailers and a release date and stuff. Um, yeah, I... I um, she was in Murder on the Orient Express, the new one. Yeah, I, I feel like... I mean, I get why she's mentioning it but like I, I i don't know if she doesn't get other work then there's something wrong yeah i, um, I hope it's just like she's too talented she's way too good she's almost too good for a star wars movie <laughs> so, you know what i mean like just in terms of like how much emotion she can put out there but yeah anyway yeah that's it will do you have a, a character before we move on to the next voicemail that you would not want to see recast you know, this is weird because I've been thinking about it the whole time and I couldn't come across one. I mean, at first I would say Han Solo, but then, uh, you know, we've already recast Han Solo and I was totally okay with that. So I can't think of someone that I would be real upset about recasting. That I'll I, tell you one. But like for me, it's um, voice work. Like when Frank Oz is done doing Yoda, it's going to be really hard for me to not hear the difference between somebody else doing it. Mm. Uh, same thing with the voice of Darth Vader, James Earl yeah. Jones. When that stops for the last <laughs> time, I, it'll be hard for me. I'm so particular about voice actors, and they they stand out to my ears so specifically. Hearing someone do Darth Vader's voice that's not James Earl Jones is like a, like sticks out like a sore thumb. If yeah, that makes sense. and I I think Tom Kane, who did the voice of Yoda in Clone Wars, does a perfectly serviceable job but right. it's it, to me it never like sank in as there was always a bit of a disconnect right right now i'll tell you one who i think should never be recast anthony daniels as c3po never never because i've played some star wars video games where c3po shows up and they have another actor and it is bad and like no offense That's to whoever performed right. 
outperformed him in in these video games but like it's it's even worse than someone else doing Yoda or Darth Vader and then like I don't think you would ever get somebody that would nail the mannerisms of C3PO mm-hmm. um you know you know I hear all the time people say like oh I can definitely tell a difference between Peter Mayhew and um Jonas Sutamo who plays yeah. Chewie, and I don't necessarily see that. I think he does a very good job of picking mm-hmm. up the mantle of Chewbacca. But Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, I think whenever he decides that he doesn't want to do at least the voice of C-3PO anymore, I think you got to re- retire the character at that point. I would hate to see it, but I think that's the only thing you can do. <laughs> yeah. Now, I will say I have a personal interest like against this because I'm really holding out that I'm going to be the go-to guy to do uh, the Kylo Ren voice because Adam Driver's not going to do that again. <laughs> so I, I think I could handle it. <laughs> I think I could do it. I would not hesitate. Nice. Um, no, I'm terrible. I'm just joking. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's hear from uh, Jim. And then we'll probably do at least one more voicemail and then call it a night. Good evening, Halls, Will, and Robo slash Xerxes. Or Xerxes slash Robo. My favorite <laughs> slash anything, okay. Robo. How you guys doing tonight? I had a question. Uh, my With those dark troopers, what do you guys think? They're just robots, right? Or do you think there's just an upper torso and head of a human in there uh the only reason i would think that is because the way that they're like stored seems weird to me that it seems like they're keeping them cold you know universal soldier style but um that was my main question but i wanted to talk a little bit about fan service because i know it's uh, annoys robo from time to time and maybe i could just ease his irritation on the subject a little bit uh i I don't like uh, fan service when it's that heavy-handed uh, six sticks out like a sore thumb to me. Uh, Rogue One with that, uh, you know, you better watch yourself. You know, it sticks out. <laughs> if you've never seen any Star Wars, it's like, what? Why? Okay, those two characters were obviously important. That excludes people, and it's unnecessary, and it doesn't help anything, the plot or anything like that. But when they can weave it into the story seamlessly, uh, I think it's something to... It's really awesome. Um, and when they drop in out of nowhere, Grand Admiral Thrawn, it, it's <laughs> sort of like, you know, what the hell is that for people that have never watched any Star Wars except for the show? But it's so worth it for all these huge longtime fans. And we've never seen a lot of these characters on this platform. I mean, definitely not Thrawn. And Boba Fett, you know, this last episode, he probably matched his screen time matched his lines of all time if you're not counting the cartoon (laughs) you know i mean it's uh for a lot of i really dig all these risks that they're taking and you know it seems like sometimes that people they hold back in a lot of stories you know canon what they're allowed to do what they don't do so every risk is welcome i mean people say they want different star wars but that's solo the comedy we don't want different we want new and if they can weave in some of these ogs into all this new i am down but you guys have an excellent evening and ignite the green okay first off uh plus 
plus uh, five points for the Universal Soldier reference. A Van Damme <laughs> reference will never go by unappreciated with your old pal Halls. That's for sure. Um, what do you guys think? I think they're robots, the Dark Troopers. I think they are too. I they- don't put it past the fact that the next round, you know, now that they've got Yoda, they may be working on a, a biological round. Right. I feel like they have to be robots because they move more like robots than most other droids do. They're like doing the robot when they walk. They look like Boogaloo Shrimp in uh, in Breaking. It's like, um, I mean, it was really exaggerated. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I mean, you know, I think Jim brings up, I think his most pertinent point about when fan service can go wrong in Star Wars is when it like sort of excludes people out of the fun. And he brought up the perfect example of Dr. Evazin and Ponda Baba in rogue one. Right. Like, I, I think that is the perfect example of when, like maybe that's not fan service done well. And it, it, it's another thing where like, I think your mileage may vary where one bit of fan service to one person seems really cool. And to another person, it seems kind of cheesy. Like I think, my current perfect example of fan service is the attack of the clones callback from this episode of Mandalorian having him say, I'm just a simple man trying to make his way in the galaxy that callback to attack of the clones. Like that's perfect because you know, somebody like my buddy Steve, who's only seen attack of the clones once may not recall that line, but it doesn't ruin the sentiment of the line. You know what I mean? He doesn't need to recall that line for it to be impactful. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't have to recognize it to know he's making a very evasive answer. <laughs> right. right, right. Yeah. What do you think about fan service, Will? You know, I think there is a point. You know, there's a point where it is too much. I don't think we've hit it yet. I think uh, it may seem like that to some people because this is really the first instance of weaving some of these additional characters into live action visual star Wars, you, you know, some of these characters that originated in animation, you know, this is the platform where they're being presented live action. And that may seem fan servicey, but to me, it's just a smart way to lend credence to your universe. And, uh, you know, you know one of these shows was going to have to do it eventually. If, unless the, if they if you're going to do it at all, you know, now that they've set the precedent, it'll be a little easier, I think for other, material to access some of these more exterior characters, you know, Dr. Afra characters that are good and, but haven't yet been represented in live action. Right. Um, you know, I, I'll say this cause like I was mentioned earlier, I, I watched solo last night to kill time before Mandalorian came out and it's been a little while since I've watched solo, probably yeah. a year or so. And solo is star Wars references the movie. Like, it seems like they plotted it out every 10 minutes. We need a reference. You know, they bring up fucking Terrace Kasi. They bring up Ara Singh. And, you know, for me, it's not a big deal. But it's a fucking lot of references, my dudes. Like, it's it's weird because it would be less distracting if you don't know that they're references. Right. You wouldn't think anything of it. But if you do, then it's like, oh, man, we're hitting critical mass reference here. Yeah. Yeah. And like it, it, it seems to me like John Kasdan, who, you know, wrote the bulk of the movie and, and had some assistance mm-hmm. from his dad, was probably a pretty big prequel fan. 
from you know that movie and probably a pretty big extended star wars you know video games and stuff fan and was just like shit i'm gonna throw all the stuff in there man and you know is it the worst choice no but i do think it's pretty heavy-handed in that yeah, movie that... going to have to unhinge your jaw to get all these yeah. star wars references. <laughs> yeah i mean it's a it's a weird case because again like it's it's in a, in a sense it's good fan service because nobody like you hear oh it's Terrace kasi to them that's like you know, that's like, oh, we'll be sent to the spice mines of Kessel. Like mm-hmm. until you see it, yeah, they have I no mean, idea. It's, that it's, that's it, not and it doesn't matter that. because yeah. you know how the way it's mentioned, you know that it's a bad place you don't want to go. Right, and that's all you need to know. Now, if you want to show it later, fine. I kind of wish they wouldn't, and the reason why is that the the reason why Star Wars became a phenomenon, I think, has to have something to do with the fact that the world seemed real and part of what made it seem real is that there's just all these weird lines getting thrown around and references to things that it sounds like they're references that the people in the movies understand but the audience can't because it's not been explained right and so with stuff like you know when you want to mention Terrace Cossie that's like that's to me that's bad fan service just because it's like there's so much stuff in the movie that if you're a fan, like it's, you almost can't pay attention to the movie. You're hearing so many references. Like when I heard Terrace Cossie, like I was like, Oh, that's a, you know, a sensible chuckle I had right there. And then it's like, but then, then there's like the next thing is like someone getting their arms ripped out of their sockets. It's like, it's a, <laughs> then the next, it, it just keeps going and going. And it, it's like, I actually like solo um, probably more than people might suspect uh, just because I'm, you know, I guess I'm a famous internet negative guy, but <laughs> I, I actually mostly like it. And but yeah, that that gets me. But to me, like the, the problem with uh, this season, of the Mandalorian, it's not like a world ending problem. It doesn't like ruin the show, but it is weird that all of the people, the famous people he meets, he meets like one after the other. And it makes it feel like is the galaxy like a huge, vast place full of all kinds of things or isn't it like is it just a place like where like, you know, hey, if if uh, Boba Fett wants to take the slave one, just like cruise around a couple stars there's a, you know, 30% chance he's going to run into Din Djarin. <laughs> you know, like it's, if it seems like now, I guess that that's not the way people respond to it. I but... feel like, you know, we, they've, okay. So you have a show about a, yet another Mandalorian, right? Like, mm-hmm. so in the star Wars world, you had Boba Fett and then you had Bo-Katan and the whole planet of Mandalorians and the clone wars. But like, you know, you know, Bo-Katan, sticks out you know she's the one and then was it sabine sabine's the other one like so sabine's really the only one you're missing probably not for long and and, you know you have included all the other mandalorian characters that you could in the show right like i feel like they're there because they're the other mandalorians in the universe and the thing that made the first season of mandalorian one of the most successful first seasons of anything ever on television or something like it is that everybody was started on the same page and the new characters were immediately beloved by the audience. Right. Like everybody loves, uh, Ugnolty, you know, like remember, like we don't even talk about it anymore, but like, uh, I have spoken was like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like that, the show doesn't need all the, I don't even want to call it fan service. Cause like, look, mm. Boba Fett appearing again, that's not fan service. Like that's like, that's a part of the story they're writing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he's just like there just to be there. Like he's there because 
they're trying to build something up about who Mando is and what he's going to do. Like he has the same job of like, you can bring him in or not, but once you, you know, I don't think they're just dropping him in just for the hell of it. You know right. what I mean? Like I really don't. And, and the same with, I mean, maybe to a lesser extent with Ahsoka, we'll see if she ever comes back, but at least there was a reason for her to be around. Cause she's the only other Jedi or Jedi like thing that we know of is out there. So if you're not going to immediately blow your wad and, and visit Luke Skywalker, like that's your option. Right. Right. <clears throat> All right. All right. Here's the deal guys. Because you guys are so awesome, we have a ton of emails and voicemails this week, and I don't want to keep, uh, you know, our guest or Will too long. So I'm taking this moment to try and get through some of these, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll just cut this into the episode because um, I don't like leaving you guys behind uh, when you're nice enough to write in and participate with the show. So first up. We've got our buddy Coda. It says, hey guys, love the podcast. And I was wondering what y'all think about a Mandalorian cut of, say, season one released to theaters so we could view it on the big screen. This would be a way to have Star Wars in the theaters again and possibly help theaters out when they get back to normal. Let me know what y'all think. Keep up the good work. This is the way, Coda. You know, I don't think that's a half bad idea, honestly. Um, my one question is, how do you... How do you choose what to cut, right? And and what to keep in there. Um, not that it's impossible because uh, sometimes it's it's a kind of a common thing for like anime series to do things like this. Uh, I think a couple of the Gundam series have done it where they've taken, you know, a full season of episodes and, and you know, there'll be like, I don't know, 20 something plus sometimes 50 episodes in an anime season and uh edit that into a movie or two that sort of recaps it so it's not half you know so it's not something that couldn't be done i just wouldn't know where to start with the cuts because as we're seeing this season specifically even things that you think might not necessarily have a huge bearing on the story in season one have turned around to be pretty important in season two. So I think, you know, it's something that uh, is is a pretty good idea. And look, like, theaters are going to need some help. After that big Warner Brothers announcement yesterday, like, theaters are going to need the help. So, I don't know. I think it's a pretty solid idea. Even if they didn't do, like, the whole season. If they just did... Like, what if they did... You know, leading into season three of The Mandalorian. What if they did the last two or three episodes edited together as a movie? Like, I know, I think Game of Thrones did some, like, either finales or premieres in the theater. Um, So, yeah, maybe something like that, even. All right. Next up, we have Tyler. He says, cock-a-duty speculating. Good morning, Blue Harvest crew. Now that Mando has a weapon that we've seen go to toe with a lightsaber, are we now guaranteed a fight between him and his Beskar spear and Moff Gideon and the Darksaber? Happy belated Thanksgiving, Tyler. Um, I think that's exactly what we're in store for, especially after Chapter 14, right? When we see the Mandalorian uh, recovering the spear from the wreckage of the Razor Crest. Uh, you don't have that thing... 
survive and him find it. And then, I mean, let's be honest, show the Darksaber just a few scenes later. Yeah, I think that's 100% what we're in store for. So I think that's going to be pretty rad. I think a spear is a, <coughs> a neat sort of more, I don't know how you'd say it, like more medieval style weapon to introduce uh, to the Star Wars universe, especially in the context of a lightsaber battle. So I am all about that. All right, next up we have Joshua, or Josh. He says, hey guys, I've never written in before, but I've been listening to the podcast for about a year now. I'm your neighbor in Huntsville, Alabama. So the Jawa disintegration episode has been my favorite episode of The Mandalorian so far, but the Jedi may just knock it off its mantle. It was amazing. The samurai vibes and Ahsoka and Mando's interaction was great. Ahsoka was perfect. I hope this isn't the last we see from her. Love the podcast. Keep it up. I'm really glad you enjoyed the episode, buddy. That's uh, <clears throat> You hit on some a lot of my favorite elements of that episode. and It is for sure not the last we see of Ahsoka. I don't know if she'll be showing up in The Mandalorian necessarily, but... We will be seeing a lot more of Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka. That is, I mean, I think that's pretty much guaranteed at this point. Um, and big ups to Huntsville. Uh, our buddy Will. Uh, will Witten himself grew up in um, Madison, which is not too far from Huntsville. So I spent a little time in uh, Madison myself, hanging out with Will and his dad, Um we went to this really cool store called Crossroads. I don't know if it's there anymore. And I've been to the uh, the Space Museum. The Space Museum. Um, but yeah, Huntsville's a rad town. And not that far from us. Actually, Jesse and I... We're up there um, not that long ago, up in that area, uh, and uh, went to the Safari Park drive through or whatever that is called. All right, next up, we have an email from Carl, fellow Mississippi State Bulldog. Man, the Mandalorian Chapter 13 was so good. I was thinking, Halls, about your prediction about Ahsoka communicating with Grogu through the Force. Nice call, by the way. And it reminded me of the last scene in the episode. Grogu in Mando's arms look at Ahsoka and vice versa as if to say, thanks for giving me back to my daddy. And she seems to nod in approval. Do you notice that nonverbal communication? If so, what do you think they said to each other through the Force in that moment? As always, love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Uh, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it, buddy. If the, if there was some sort of nonverbal um, communication between the two of them, I think it was probably something along those lines, right? And then after chapter 14, we see the moments in the beginning where I felt, and, and when we watched, when I watched it the second time with Jesse, she felt as well that <clears throat> maybe Mando was hoping... Grogu wouldn't pull, uh, grab the, the knob from him, the shifter knob or whatever it is, because he doesn't want to give him up. I think that's sort of the vibe they were going for there. So, yeah, I think, 
I think you were pretty, pretty on the money with that assessment, buddy. Um, shame about that egg bowl, huh? It happens. What can you do? What can you do? All right, next up, we have James Yarko. Hey, Halls and Will, and esteemed guest. So I'm writing in about last week's episode of The Mandalorian, which, of course, I was stoked about. I thought Rosario did a great job as Ahsoka, and I look forward to seeing her more down the road, whether it's in this show or another. Also, you know damn well I screamed like a teenage girl at an NSYNC concert back in 2001 when she name-dropped Thawne. And while I'm super excited to see him in live action at some point, I have no idea who they could get to play him. I like the idea of Benedict Cumberbatch, but I've always thought Daniel Day-Lewis would do a great job. Although Johnny Grosso won't agree. My thought for this week goes back to who could communicate with Grogu at the temple, and my son Jack had an interesting suggestion that I hadn't seen anywhere yet. What about Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order? He's still around, and I imagine Cameron Monaghan would love to join the series, even in a limited role. I just can't see them bringing Luke into the fold in anything beyond a voiceover, and I thought Cal might be a good addition for the show. What do you guys think? As always, keep up the great work and hope you are all staying safe and healthy. Your buddy, James. Thanks, James. <clears throat> um, I've seen... So so since you wrote this email, this e- email's um, a little bit old. It's a few days old now, unfortunately. Um, I've seen some people tossing around uh, Cal as a, as a possibility. And look, that would be cool. I just... I don't know, man. At this point, it's hard to discount anything because clearly there's a lot of stuff on the table. And speaking of uh, Daniel Day-Lewis and Jonathan Grosso, he actually had an interesting theory today that I don't know how possible it is, but it's a fun one to like mull around in the old mind grapes. And his theory was <laughs> that Grogu is going to contact or has contacted Mace Windu. And that Samuel L. Jackson will be back as Mace Windu, who survived, you know, the uh, the moment with Palpatine in Revenge of the Sith. Now, for one, it would be cool to have Mace Windu back uh, in Star Wars, Samuel L. back in Star Wars. I think uh, the, you know, the timeline, you know, you, you, it would line up pretty well, like his age versus when he was the prequels versus his age. Now it's not perfect, obviously, but I think it lines up well enough. <clears throat> and secondly, what does that do with Boba's involvement in the story? Right? Cause if you bring Mace Windu into a story where Boba's involved, then you have the character who killed his dad in front of him when he was a kid as part of the story. And that could lead to some interesting things. Storytelling wise. Now, once again, I don't know how likely it is, but I also wouldn't have said it was likely that Ahsoka would show up or that she would name drop Thrawn or that Boba Fett. Yeah, you just name all the things that have happened this season. And uh, so I can't discount anything because we're in crazy town. All right. Next up, we've got our boy, Kobe, Mr. 100 himself. Kobe. Hey, Halls and Will. How's it going? So my question this week is not so much about Star Wars, but the podcast itself. 
So as a fellow podcaster, I just wanted to ask out of curiosity, what is your setup? Mics, mixer, audio software, etc. I'd also like to know how you take Will's audio from Skype and place it into whatever audio software you use. I do my podcast with my co-host right across from me, so I was just curious how you guys do it your way. Thanks. Okay, um, just real quickly, for the longest time I was using a four-channel Behringer mixing board. Um, and the way I record Skype audio is pretty simple. Um, you know, there's <coughs> there's lots of programs and stuff. I, you know, like, you can even do it within Skype itself now. But the way I do it is I run a cord that um, one end is an XLR mic. Uh, input and the other is a 3.5 audio jack so I hook that into my laptop where I'm making the Skype call plug the XLR into my zoom recorder my zoom recorder is what I use now instead of a um, a mixing board I got it specifically so I could record stuff at Celebration Chicago and since then I have not stopped using it it is uh, my favorite piece of gear besides my microphone, which is a Shure SM7B. It was my dream mic for the longest time. <clears throat> Saved up some cash, you know, from the Patreon and things like that, and upgraded to a real fancy mic, which I really like. So that's the uh, that's the long and short of it. And I use Audacity. Audacity is what I use to edit and put all the uh, the episodes together. Now back to Star Wars. So before I ask my question, here's a little background about my Star Wars likes and whatnot. So one of my favorite parts of Star Wars is the Jedi. I love all things Jedi. So one of my favorite weird things that I obsess over is the background Jedi, mostly in the prequels. So I ask this, give me your top five favorite background Jedi. Only stipulation is that can't be Luke, Rey, Obi-Wan, Yoda, Anakin, or Mace, but I'm going to admit Kia D. Cockhead, because obviously we know where he would land on your rankings. Mine would be something like this. Number five, Opo Rancis. Number, number four, Sansi Tin. Sacy uh, Tin? I think it's Sacy Tin. Uh, three, Kia D. Mundy. Two, Kit, Flist, Kit Fisto. And one, Plo Koon. Um, In no particular order, you know, Kia D., obviously. Um, I like... I'm going to throw a little weird one out for you guys here. Um, the duck. The Howard the Duck looking Jedi that you see walking by in the temple. Very briefly. Um, I like Plo Koon. Um, a lot of that comes down to the Clone Wars uh, series though. I do like uh, Oppo Rancis. I like the weirder ones. I think the weirder ones are kind of neat. And then I think my last sort of background I guess you could say is I don't know his alien species or the character's name, but he's the Jedi that jumps up onto the balcony to try and face off against uh, Count Dooku and Jango Fett in Attack of the Clones. He looks kind of like a dinosaur. And Jango Fett shoots him and he falls down. I like that guy. <clears throat> okay, final question. I'll slim it down a bit for time. You know what time it is. Pick a concert. Concert number one, ABBA, Biggie Smalls, or Korn. Concert 2, Fleetwood Mac, Tupac, or Limp Biscuit. I'm taking Concert 2 because I'm a big Limp fan. I swear I'm not a douche. And also since I've already seen Corn. Have a great day, fellas. Kobe, uh, Mr. 100. Um, I'm going to go Concert number 1. 
Biggie Smalls and Corn, and then I'll be like, yeah, Saul Abbott. Isn't that weird? <clears throat> All right. Next up, we have a email from Hank. Good morning, guys. I love the podcast. After this episode, I finally have to write in. When the show started, could you have ever imagined that Mando and Boba would team up? I'm still a little bit in shock from this episode. Grogu was on the stone for quite a while, and that looked like some pretty intense force communication going on. I wonder what our two episodes left will bring us. Thank you guys for doing this podcast. When I listen to it, I feel like I'm nerding out with my friends. Hank. Oh, man. Thanks, buddy. I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, no, I could have never imagined what we had in store for us when this show started. Uh, it's bananas. It is straight up bananas. Um, and Jesse's spelling bananas behind me. I can just barely hear it over my headphones. B-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-N-A-S. Or how, you know, that's how you spell it. Mississippi Education. All right. Next up, we have an email from Chris. Hey, Halls and Will, longtime fan. I'm writing about Chapter 14 and how things might wrap up for The Mandalorian. Dang. Boba put some whoop-ass on some stormtroopers. Of course, we all thought of you, Halls, while watching that fight scene. Love it. But double dang, poor baby Yoda. If they kill off Grogu in this show, there's going to be riots in the street. I was wondering how you guys think the season will end and what will happen to the child. One idea, the Mandalorian puts together his crew and goes after Gideon, but the death troopers are just too much to handle. At the last minute when all seems lost, whoever Grogu contacted through the Force and Seeing Stone, maybe Luke, shows up to help out and we get baby Yoda back. Please let us get him back. I know the outlook for this character doesn't look great. My hope is that Grogu eventually makes it out of this series unscathed, but goes into hiding, much like Yoda on Dagobah. A Jedi scoops him up and agrees to keep him safe. He stays clear of the First Order slash Final Order shenanigans, which means he's free to return to Star Wars stories. Episode 10 or beyond. Fingers crossed, Chris from Brooklyn. I... But look, guys, Baby Yoda's going to be fine. There's nothing to worry about. Boba Fett is on the job. We know Din kicks ass. We know Fennec Shan kicks ass. And now Boba's in the equation. Plus, they're going to get Mayfield, a.k.a. Bill Burr, with the crazy shoulder gun. Moff Gideon should be sweating right now. He's the one that should be worried. Baby Yoda's going to be fine. And they're not going to kill off Baby Yoda. All right? That is my... prediction my confident prediction for the end of this series baby yoda ain't gonna die that's what i say and boy do i hope i'm not wrong because you're right there'll be riots in the streets and i'll be among them i'll be like jesse you got to drop me off downtown i gotta i gotta go to the baby yoda riots and i show up and it's just me and one other dude and he's like cosplaying as baby yoda Walking around on his knees. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Let's cause some havoc. Stupid. I'm stupid. This is stupid. Why do I do this? All right. Um, all right. We got one more email. And then I am going to save all the voicemails, which there are quite a few, uh, for the show. Uh, this one is from Robert Russo. My God, that was an amazing episode of The Mandalorian. 
Pause. When Slave One came into view on the screen, I cheered out loud and thought of you, buddy. I can't believe how amazing this episode was, and a true redemption for Boba since he was seen as someone who did nothing in the Star Wars universe previously. Now he's the badass that we all knew he was. Uh, unless you've been reading the comics. Last week's episode with Ahsoka left me feeling meh, but this week got me fired up for the rest of the season. Poor Grogu, but he's got some badass friends coming to save him. Have a great week, Bob. You have a great weekend, Bob. <laughs> and I totally agree. Yeah, the Slave One was maybe the surprise of 2020 for me because I was fully convinced that there wasn't going to be any more Boba this season. And I was sure happy to be wrong. All right, guys, so let's get back to the uh, Blue Harvest episode proper. How's that sound? I'll blow my wad into Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really... These things don't sound weird to me until I hear them repeat. <laughs> so, guys, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. We've got a couple voicemails left. We will get to them in the coming weeks. There's a lot to talk about. Um, Robbo, buddy, thank you so much for changing your mind and coming on. I'm so glad that uh, you showed up. And look, I think we had a perfectly reasonable, fun time talking yeah. about Chapter 14 of The Mandalorian. I, I'm, I'm just, I mean, I'm partly just relieved that I could not, wouldn't have to to drop out of the show because I don't like doing that at the last minute, but I'm mostly also relieved because like, Oh, there's a star Wars thing and I, I can enjoy it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I felt like, Oh man, am I still a star Wars fan? Do I hate this now? It was no, that bad. No. It was so weird. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, yeah. I've got a, uh, I've got a podcast called uh, hardcore gaming one one. We do a thing where people um, nominate video games, uh, some very famous, some obscure. And then we talk about them for a little bit. And then we rank them on a big list of all the other games we've talked about. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I just put, um, I just put up a Sonic spinball episode Ooh. tonight. So it'll go live tomorrow morning. And um I mean, we found 35 minutes of things to say about Sonic Spinball. I mean, who else is going to do that? Uh, That's one so, of the first games I had for Sega Genesis. Uh, yeah, I mean, you must have really fond memories of it then, right? I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't uh, listen to the episode. <laughs> let me say, guys, uh, if you like video games, you can't go wrong listening to it. And if you are somebody that has, you know, time to listen to podcasts through the week, like I suggest... You know, subscribing on iTunes, signing up for the Patreon, because you're going to get three episodes a week. The, you know, there's a lot of hosts. They've got really diverse opinions. Like, you never know what's going to go down. Like, I listened to an episode where, and I don't even think our buddy Robbo was on it, where they was pe were people hardcore defending Final Fantasy 2. I don't mean the Final Fantasy 2 we got in the United States. I mean the Final <laughs> Fantasy 2 that was only in Japan that never came... Well, it, it took forever to come over here and is personally my least favorite Final Fantasy game. But yeah. they had, like, word on the wind. She was de uh, defending it hardcore, and the special guest was a hardcore fan. You you get a lot of different perspectives on it's these games. It's weird, yeah. Where, where games go on the list depends heavily on who is able to show up. Yeah, and you know what? I think uh, I think I should have fought harder for a Knights of the Old Republic when I was on In your show. Yeah, maybe we should have. Um, but we've all got Knights of the Old Republic 2 to do one of these days, and I okay. hope to do it. Um, as as uh, Haas mentioned, I also... Uh, <laughs> 
although it's it's I'm criminally overdue on this, but I need to finish up the, the latest episode of Blue Harvest Adventures so we can continue it. Um, <clears throat> part of the issue is that during the pandemic, I started uh, DMing a, uh, a Dungeons and Dragons game for my son and his cousins. Oh, that's and awesome. So like that's taken up a lot of my like creative time. But I do really, really, really want to get back to it because um, I like that was a lot of fun. It is a lot of I mean, it's a lot of fun for me. And uh, hopefully people like listening to it, too. And yeah. And then I'm on Twitter at uh, GC9X um, on Twitter. And uh, you can find me there. And I have uh, really, truly abhorrent Star Wars opinions. But sometimes I change my mind. <laughs> so <laughs> and it was thank you so much for having me. And I apologize for the craziness. There's a lot of drama, a lot more drama than should have existed. But uh, no, nah, buddy, it was not even a big deal. Like. I want people when they come on to feel comfortable and just have a good time. And you were like, no, I don't really yeah. feel comfortable. So I was like, cool. It's not a big deal. I am not bullshitting you when I say, when I told you, like, it's totally fine. It's not a big deal. And I'll let everybody know. I did get a little tiny little uh, practical joke off on him just to, you know, like, give him a little bit of shit. Because he was like, you saw the episode, right? And I, and yeah. I told him, <laughs> nope, not yet. And, like, I immediately told him I was just kidding. But, like, yeah. for that split second, I wanted him to feel like he spoiled it for me. Oh, I thought I ruined your life. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm not going to do the business because this show is, this episode is running a little long. All of it's in the notes. If you want to join the Patreon, if you want to follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, that's all going to be in the podcast notes. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. We've only got two more episodes of The Mandalorian. We've got a couple of special guests still lined up. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. I'm Will Whitney. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us. <laughs> <laughs>